Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin. My name is Matt Bruskin. I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action of Wisconsin. And welcome to another beautiful winter week from the state of Wisconsin. We have our full panel, which means Claire Zauke, our Healthcare Director, is with us. Claire, good to have you. Thank you. Good to be here with y'all. And Robert Craig, Executive Director, is with us. Robert, it's good to have you. Good to, hear, to be with everyone virtually, everyone, and over the airwaves. Absolutely. Well, folks, we have a we have a very busy show. I'm very excited about the show. We have spent a significant amount of time talking about the broader threats to democracy uh, that are going on in this country and in this state, but also very specifically about things that have been happening, particularly at the Election Commission. Uh, and we're going to be joined by Mark Thompson, who is actually the president of Citizen Action, but also a commissioner on the Election Commission. So has a a, uh, a, shall we say, front row seat to what's been going on. He will be joining us later in the show to talk more about that, his experience, and we'll have that discussion. And we'll close the show. We'll be joined by our organizing director, Kate Beaton. Kate's been on the show before, but it was prior to her actually joining us uh, when she was, because she is a Eau Claire uh, city council member. And so we had had her on in the past. She will join us at the end of the show to talk more about uh, her being our organizing director and preview some very exciting things we're going to have coming up in the legislature. And we really want to encourage you to get involved in our organization. Look forward to having Kate on. Claire, I'm coming to you <laughs> to get the show started because we got to start before we get into the depths with Mark Thompson. Wanted to talk this week. There is a series of things moving through the legislature this week on a whole host of topics. Can't get to them all, but we did want to flag um, these awful bills that the Republicans are moving, this is a series of them and a couple in particular that are trying to push folks off of health care, Medicaid, um, around work. Claire, give us a little bit more about this and why these bills are so bad and why we need our members probably to reach out to their electeds around this. Claire? Yeah, thanks for the opportunity to talk about these uh you know, there's so many Republican bills that are just terrible that it, you know, it doesn't make sense to talk about all of them. We would just spend all day talking about terrible bills that the governor was going to veto anyways, right? Um, but these are particularly pernicious, and it's worth uh, sort of elevating what they would do and asking people to contact their legislators in opposition to these bills. So um, these are a series of bills by different Republican authors, although I, I would assume coordinated, that are trying to reduce um, badger care or uh, Medicaid benefits for low-income workers, try to kick people off of medical assistance, off of badger care, um, and generally increase the sort of administrative burden and the, the difficulty of running these programs. And the overarching um, reasoning that's being given for all of these is that um, they're trying to move people into the workforce, right? Um, that like that this needs to be done because people are just relying on these benefits and um, like really they should they should be working. So we need to scale back these benefits, right? Which we all which we all know is BS because uh, like if they really wanted to solve that problem, right, then they would invest in things like higher wages, expanding badger care and whatnot. So that's sort of, that's the overall premise. I want to talk about a couple bills specifically, but but Matt, I'll give you an opportunity. It looked like maybe you wanted to say something. No, I'm good. Cool. So um, I'm going to I'm going to highlight two bills because uh, we, we don't have time to talk about all of them. 
So one bill would um, change the way um, people are enrolled in Badger Care. So um, it would um, force uh, people's um, to to sort of reapply or be reevaluated for their eligibility a couple times a year. I think every six months, and would force the uh, disenrollment of of a lot of folks. Um, and this creates uh, an extremely strict uh, burden on both the state and people for sort of like being constantly reevaluating if they're eligible for Badger Care. Um, it, the bill, interestingly, does does not do the inverse, which is like so it, it can like automatically kick people off, but it can't automatically like bring people on because of the course or like their priorities are not to allow the state to make it easier for people to enroll in Badger Care. Reveals their true intent, Claire. Yep, yep, yep. Um, I would say this is um, particularly pernicious right now because of the ongoing pandemic in which like, it's important for people to have healthcare coverage right now. Um, and in fact, um, the state had been taking measures to not kick people off of Badger Care during the pandemic because they knew how important it was for folks, especially frontline workers who make low wages and don't have health care costs to like retain their Badger Care coverage. So that's one bill. Um, the second bill, um, which I, I think is also really just incredibly awful, um, is that it would kick, and this one, oh, sorry, the first bill was um, authored by um, Senator Staffschult, who is from the northwestern part of the state in Polk County and um, that area. So if you are from the Polk County area, um, feel free to contact him and say, like, this is terrible, please don't do this. Um, the second bill, um, authored by Chris Kapenga, would kick workers without children. So um, childless workers is in this bill, uh, folks who don't have children under the age of 13, or if you have a disabled child, then that child can be up to 19. Um, so a childless worker is off of their Badger Care coverage if they turn down more hours, a raise, or full-time employment. Um, so this is a big, big problem because as we've talked about on this podcast, um, the Badger Care gap um, that Wisconsin Republicans continue to not allow the state to expand to fully cover means that like many people are forced to continue to only earn up to 100% of the federal poverty line or else be forced into the gap. And so like many people are forced to work part-time or to take lower wage jobs, turn down hours, turn down raises, because if they were to accept that raise, they would be put into the gap, meaning they'd have to purchase their own health coverage, which would be more expensive than Badger Care, therefore actually like having them earn less take-home money, right? So like they, they actually would make less money with a higher wage, or they would be forced to like, in order to maintain their current salary, um, not have uh, health insurance. And I think what's even worse is that this bill does not speak to like maybe that job that they would offer would have health insurance, maybe it wouldn't have insurance. And so like they could be somebody, this bill would force somebody to take a job that doesn't have health coverage. And then therefore, right, like they're, they're pushed further into this cycle of poverty or even worse, maybe it does have employer sponsored coverage, but it's just trash coverage, right? It's like really expensive. You can't afford to use it. But then because they technically have employer-sponsored coverage, they can't 
they're not eligible for subsidies on the ACA marketplace. And so all of the marketplace coverage, better coverage will be priced way out of their reach. So this bill is terrible for workers from a ton of different perspectives. And if Republicans really actually cared about trying to like have people work more hours or work full time, they would just expand Badger Care so that people could afford to work double the number of hours, take raises, take full time employment and not lose their coverage. Like the easy thing here to do would be to expand Badger Care. But instead, they're trying to just like punish, punish, punish low income folks. There's a lot to unpack here, and Claire laid it out very well that we may have to go into the next segment. I will just say that um, you have to understand this is a whole series of divide and conquer political strategies, the rather crass and cynical view of, uh, of the corporate business elite in this state that funds Republicans, um, and also a big lies they've told about healthcare, about poverty, about the economy. So what they are, they've wanted, wanted for a long time to go after Medicaid. They don't believe that people have a right to healthcare and they think people who are very low income and can't afford it, it's unaffordable for middle-class, number of middle-class people are doing something wrong and want to blame them individually. And now this is married with Wisconsin manufacturers and commerce and the corporate leaders of our state, of our state, claim that they can't find workers because workers are choosing not to work because of some greatly generous benefits we have. Like people are very living very content lives with their badger care and with, you know, what, whatever is left of, uh, of COVID relief, etc. And it's not true. It's not fundamentally why there's a worker shortage at all, but it deflects attention away from a corporate sector and public party that won't make the investment that would bring people into the workforce. Because we have a ton of people in this state in rural and urban areas who have given up trying to look for employment because they don't have the skills that match up or the education, hence you cut education spending, right? And you'd need a massive workforce program in order to bring all these folks into the economy. And then you need to make them good jobs that provide benefits. They're against all of that, but they have a twofer because now they can create a political demand that everyone's problems are because of irresponsible poor people, which of course is a racialized idea in their, in their, in their discourse, even though more white people in Wisconsin are affected by than people of color. And so it is, Growth immorality and the, the, the election stuff we're talking about later, Matt, is not the first big lie. And Democrats are not calling out these big lies. Like the, the lie about the workforce shortage, not enough Democrats are calling that one out, even though it's coming from Republicans and from a business elite, elite that funds the whole Republican apparatus and funded the Supreme Court takeover in this state. Folks, with that, we are going to take our first break of the show. You're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. You can find us on all the socials. We're very active. Get us on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. And we really want to encourage you to join Citizen Action co-ops. But again, you're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. We are about shortly going to be joined by Mark Thompson. Again, Mark Thompson is... He's the president of Citizen Action, but uh, more germane to why we're going to have him on. He is also one of the 
commissioners for the Wisconsin Election Commission. And we're going to dive into the attack on the Election Commission. But let's be honest, it's this is a much broader attack. It's an attack on sort of the foundations and trust in democracy. And really, its basis is this, this movement that has taken over the Republican Party and led to an insurrection on January 6th. Uh, that somehow the 2020 election was stolen, fraudulent, and we need to have all these ridiculous audits. And the one of the, the leaders of that movement, we believe, is announcing today on Thursday that uh, he's running for governor. That's Timothy, Timothy Rampton. We talked about him before. This guy is uh, he's 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 uh, he spouts QAnon stuff and is what appears to be the leading edge of the rebellion against uh, Robin Voss in the legislature, which we have talked about on the show before a lot that's been brewing since the last election. And uh, if you remember, uh, Rantham was disciplined by Voss uh, for demanding and continuing to push on about this idea that they could overturn the election, that the legislature itself could have overturned the election. Rantham believes that. Um, and so he'll be announcing and will not be alone. And this will be a test of the division within the Republican Party and the folks who are, you know, not only just backers of Trump, but serious believers of QAnon <laughs> and some of these far right wing uh, conspiracies. Um, but again, it's fitting, given we're going to have Mark on. Uh, this guy is really, quite frankly, the leader, uh, certainly in this state of this movement to essentially <laughs> radically change our democracy. Following up on Matt's excellent introduction, I would just say we need to get very serious as progressives, progressive Democrats, into what is our agency as to what we can do about this, because we agree this is outrageous because we're the ones believing democracy and we still can't believe quite what's being said how unbelievable it is, though this has happened in many, many other countries that have lost their democracies. And so we're beginning to lose, you know, the legitimate ways you could block this. If, you, if the state Supreme Court is is been taken over by the right and Wisconsin Manufacturers and Commerce is going to rubber stamp, say, another 10 years of unfair maps, if they're going to take over the Wisconsin Election Commission, which itself was created by Scott Walker and Republicans because they didn't like the fully nonpartisan government complete board because it dared to investigate Scott Walker's actual felonious campaign violations. They, that most campaign lawyers thought they were at the time until the state Supreme Court changed the law for them. And so we need to, we need to get very serious that, and this is the problem. There is, when we'll see what Mark has to say. There's a disconnect among all Democrats. You can see there has not been action in the U.S. Senate, right, on the, the gap between how serious the problem is, how many of us acknowledge how serious it is, and then what we're doing to address it. We can't just quietly go home when, uh, when, when, as they take over the it, apparatus of elections. And I guess the other thing to consider, which we won't probably get into with Mark is, it's not, it's both the mechanisms of democracy and it is making it actually serve people and the gridlock on policy and the lack of actual policy at the state level that would actually improve people's lives also is damaging democracy. Why would people even fight for it if it didn't do anything to improve their lives and their community? 
with that, folks, we are going to welcome Mark Thompson to the show. So we are extraordinarily fortunate to be joined by Mark Thompson. Uh, Mark, thanks so much for uh, taking the time uh, to join us today. Well, hello. Glad to be here. So, Mark, we've before you joined us, we've spent a lot of time just sort of talking about this issue. But um, to get started, just give our listeners a little bit. You are a commissioner on the Wisconsin Election Commission. You're also, we mentioned, the president of Citizen Action. But we really wanted to hear from you firsthand, right? We're in this huge moment um, being an election commissioner and, you know, what you see is happening and what's at stake uh, here that you're experiencing as a commissioner on the election commission? Sure. You know, I, I got on the commission in 2016 as the first chair when it was created to replace the, you know, nonpartisan governmental accountability board run by judges. We ran the elections in 2016. President Trump won. We didn't have any fraud and you know we had a full recount and we proved that elections in Wisconsin were fair, honest, accurate. We followed those rules in 2018 and 2020 and in 2020 Donald Trump was the biggest loser in the planet. Uh, but ever since his loss, uh, there's been a challenge now as to what the rules were. So I've been there. We ran the elections in 2016, one set of rules, 2018, same set of rules, 2020, same set of rules. And now we're being attacked for using those rules as if those rules weren't legit. Everybody that's attacking us, nobody has said we're going to resign, step down because we weren't legitimately elected because they all were elected by the same rules. And I think that the biggest difference now is that the Nonpartisan staff at the at the Wisconsin Election Commission are under great duress. Megan Wolf, one of the smartest people in the country on elections, honest elections, secure elections, you know, with homeland security clearance, uh, has been asked to resign. And this is just a deliberate attempt by uh, now many, many, many Republicans to take over the agency and own the agency in November for the November elections. Robert? Yeah, one interesting thing, Mark, and correct me if I'm wrong, by my recollection, some of the things they're accusing the commissioners of doing that violate the law, they did not, I mean, legislators, the Republican Party object to during the 2020 election and didn't file lawsuits on and so it seems to have been a, an invention after the election because of the partisan move pushed by former President Trump uh, to deny the legitimacy of the election. Is, is that right? That I mean, that's sort of a proof that these were legitimate and that the Republican Party filed lots of lawsuits and there was a most litigious election maybe in American history. And just no one, there, there are a number of these charges now that they didn't even contest publicly or in courts or anywhere during the election. Am I, am I right about that, Mark? Yeah, you're right. And that's why I said at the outset, we ran the 2016 elections and we ran 2020 the same way. And the only complaint now is that, the, you know, they lost. And so they have to come up with an excuse to, to cover up, you know, the fact that Trump lost. 
Two things I'll say very quickly on that. One of the items that there are allegations on are this, you know, witnesses addresses on absentee ballot return envelopes. That was a guidance that was created, initiated by Republicans before Trump won in 2016. We voted 6-0 because it was good common sense policy. Why should a spouse that puts same on the envelope for the address have that ballot be not counted, right? We're all about counting votes. No, there's no question about the ballot's legit. If the clerk knows who it is, count the, count the votes. That was the Republicans' position in 2016. And presumably they had a lot of those votes that helped Trump win in 2016. Now, same rules apply in 2020. Trump lost and now, oh wait, now we can't do that, right? That's one. Judge Boren recently ruled, and this case is pending right now before the uh, Wisconsin Supreme Court, that, you know, if, if you're at home, for example, my mom, 90 at home, she can't, she can't get her absentee ballot downstairs, much less to a Dropbox or a mailbox, right? For years and years, of course, you can take your spouse's you know, ballot, drop it in the mail. We want to count the votes. Now, according to the, the Republican attack on this, that would be a felony. So, like, this is a, and it's all tied to, I want to just say this, it's things that got so egregious that Voss, Speaker Voss, who created Wisconsin Election Commission, along with Dean Knudsen in 2015, Voss is willing to put his friend, a former friend, I don't think they're friends anymore, Dean Knudsen and four other commissioners, one other Republican and three Democrats, in jail for letting senior citizens vote safely in a pandemic. Now, that's why it's an alarm time, right? That's why it's Paul Revere time. That is why Wisconsin has to, I mean, we just have to figure out what's going on. They're willing to put their own friends in jail to take over control of who counts the votes. Claire? So we know that there's a lot of anti-democracy bills going through the legislature right now, plus there is what's going on in the state Supreme Court. Um, is there like is there one in particular that either sort of keeps you up at night that you think is just like the big bad or maybe one that isn't getting any attention that you want to make sure we get some special airtime to? No, yeah. Number one is I don't think any of us should lose sleep over this. OK, we all need our sleep so we can fight during the day. Okay, this is not a time to be afraid. This is a time to stand up. These are bullies and they're trying to run over us. We all learned in grade school, the only way you stop a bully is you stand up, you circle them and you tell them to stand down. Okay, this is not a time to shake or worry. And I, 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 and I say that on purpose because there is too many people just say, oh, my gosh, what's happening, right? Well, what's happening is that there are a group of people that are trying to take over our infrastructure for elections in the state. Their design is to get rid of nonpartisan control over elections. Now, look, 30 years before the GAB was created, it was a nonpartisan staff. Under the GAB, it was a nonpartisan staff. Since 2016, 
the staff, Megan Wolf and her staff are nonpartisan. That means we have had people that are just dedicated to making elections fair and they want them out of the way. And all these bills are noise to convince all of us to forget about the central importance of having nonpartisan people, your friends and neighbors run elections. So we need to get out there and say, preserve democracy in the state. Folks, with that, we got to take our break here. You're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin where Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. We are talking with Mark Thompson. Again, Mark is not only the president of Citizen Action Wisconsin, reason we have him on today is he's also a commissioner with the Wisconsin Election Commission, and we are diving deep into the very specifics and what's been happening to the Wisconsin Election Commission as part of a broader strategy uh, to undermine some of our democratic institutions in the name of power. Um, Robert, you get the next question. Yeah, I think you made a very good point at the end of the last segment, Mark, that we need to get real that there's a group of bullies trying to take over the election machinery so that they always win, which undermines the basic premise of at the founding of the country that it's governed by the consent of the governed, right? I mean, it, it isn't fundamental. And the question then is, how do we fight it? As you were pointing out, we shouldn't lose sleep because, or we shouldn't just uh, get worried and turn away because then the bully succeeds, right? You have to stand up to the bully. I, I, I think there are a lot of people trying to do that, including yourself. I mean, you and the other five commissioners have had, you know, a county sheriff refer you for, for felony charges, uh, uh, completely wild statements from state legislators to the same effect and demands that other district attorneys around the state investigate you. And you've stood very firm. You have, I know Dean Knudsen did a great job and up front a couple of weeks ago, the, 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 the Sunday morning show. And for him, as a, as a Republican, you know, he's, he's talking about his former friends and allies, right? So it must be very hard for him. So I want to, what is your advice to all of us who are not in official positions, as I know you're telling us to have courage and be set, ready to fight, where are the fights right now? We have to fight effectively too, and how, how do we stand together? I know that's a huge question, so just some primary thoughts on that. I'm not expecting you to come up with the blueprint uh, in, in, in just a brief conversation on a podcast, Mark, but just it, I think you're talking about the right attitude and the right understanding, but then it's about getting people have the courage to do, to how do we fight it, right? Yeah, like everybody here has got courage. Everybody here is fighting, right? Um, I think there are a lot of people out there too that are willing to fight. And, and I, I, I said this, uh, I was talking to some friends yesterday, what is it that we need to come up with to really sort of get through the Netflix, you know, COVID blues of our day-to-day -day living to get at and let people understand that you know and i think maybe a lot of people have just taken it for granted and don't actually know that you know this thing that we take for granted going to the polls that it's run by nonpartisans, 
you know, I mean, for years and years and years, I didn't think about it. I just showed up and voted. And I never really understood the intricacies of how it worked, right? And in Wisconsin, we have all the municipal clerks and county clerks running elections, right? You'd show up at your poll place at some but neighbor you knew, you would say hi, I'm, you know, and pre, pre-ID, you know, voter ID, I'm, you know, I remember, I just go up and say hi to the neighbor and give my address and cast my ballot. And that was democracy in Wisconsin. And even after voter ID, it still worked. I, but I think a lot of people really don't understand that there is this nonpartisan group of people that count votes, that we trust our neighbors to count votes. And that these folk, you know, there is a group that want to take that power away from people and run in their own elections. I mean, remember the whole idea of the Trump electors, the whole notion was to just disregard the Wisconsin constitution and Wisconsin law that says the electors go to who wins the popular vote, right? We all, we just all always believe that, right? Whoever wins the popular vote in Wisconsin goes to the, the that president, right? When Trump won, it went to Trump. When Biden won, it went to Biden. But who knew there were a group of people in Wisconsin that thought we could just ignore that, come up with this, these their own electors and hope that the vice president would say, you know, we're going to take over the country. Uh, and then we have January 6th. Right, where some people actually went in the Capitol, flew the Confederate flag for the first time. Look, it never flew there until a year ago. Yeah. And you Mark. know, we got people dead. Now, this is sort of like surreal, right? And I think we're so used to watching movies. And you know, it's <laughs> and it's far away in Washington. I think what we really have to figure out is what is it that we can talk to our neighbors about, that they understand the depths of that this certain group of bullies are willing to do. But they want to take our way, our right to live the way we live, folks. I Look, Mark, you raise a great point. I think it's super important that people keep speaking up on this. And uh, I do want to point out, like, This week, for example, a group of businesses, Wisconsin businesses sent a letter, right, basically in support of the election commission. That's important. Folks who maybe wouldn't normally see getting active speaking up in this in in this moment is is uh, definitely super important. Um, Mark, you mentioned January 6th. Um, I think it's absolutely critical. We know, and we've talked about this on the show before, there's really good research now. There was focus groups here in the state about a lot of the voters, particularly a lot of the voters who have moved away from Trump and voted for Biden in the suburbs and other areas. They're deeply upset about January 6th. They don't get why there hasn't been more done, more investigations. In some ways, that group is as seemingly as upset as, quote, Democrats uh, ought to be. and. So there's a real opportunity. Uh, it's critical at this point that we're all speaking up about this and making this connect. You mentioned it. We had an insurrection. This is not an off-year election. This is the first election after the insurrection. Mark, 
your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, this this isn't a partisan debate, right? This is really not Democrats, Republicans. This is a, a, a group of people, some of them call themselves Republicans, that think that they can disregard a popular vote, storm the Capitol and take over the country and the rest of us will say, we don't care, right? And we, I don't think we've, look, I haven't seen that in my whole lifetime and I'm older than all you folks. And, you know, I think part of it is a lot of people just saying, wow, can this really be happening? And I think it's crucial that we continue to go talk about it and let people know that what's at stake is how we live. And we have lived and peacefully changed power because we have a nonpartisan election staff that runs elections, right? And then you, then you live with who wins and loses. But now we have a group of people that are not content with that. They didn't like the fact that they lost. So they're gonna take the, over the power. And right now in this state, they wanna take over the election commission. They want Megan Wolf out of there to resign so they can appoint who they want. Because the intricacies are, we're never gonna get another four two vote that's confirmed by the Senate, but this Senate that gives us an, an, a nonpartisan leader of our, our agency. And that's what's going on. They want her out because they know that they can, if she leaves, Look at if Megan Wolf doesn't have the guts to stay there and she's the gutsiest lady I know and everybody listening needs to be sending letters to everybody they know. And this is what you can do. Seriously, send letters to everybody you know, say Megan Wolf is a hero and her staff's a hero. Leave them alone and leave our elections alone and stop the craziness. It's not an accident that Bob Spindell is not being charged or alleged to be being charged with a crime, right? And he's, he's one a, of the fake electors, a Trump right, elector, right? He's a Trump right. elector. This is a Trump sheriff, okay? And Bob Spindell is getting a pass. He voted 6-0 to let senior citizens vote in the pandemic, right? We did it in public. The whole world was watching. No one said we shouldn't because, of course, no one wanted to disenfranchise thousands, thousands of senior citizens, right? In the biggest pandemic of our lifetime, you know, with all this uncertainty, six zero. But now, we're, I'm supposed to be a criminal because I let senior citizens vote safely in a pandemic, and Bob Spindell isn't because what? Because he put his name as a Trump elector and was part of this deal that happened on January 6th. I mean, we need to talk about it, right? People need to just get engaged, talk to your neighbors, write anybody you know. And seriously, if there's Voss out there, people should be pounding Voss's phones every day. I mean, his emails, he should not be able to function. Did you, you know, if you'd have his cell phone, text him, right? You saw that he, today he says he likes to delete all his texts every day. Well, <laughs> Give him so many texts, he can't delete them, folks. <laughs> Give him so many emails, he can't. I mean, somebody needs to tell the bullies that they can't just storm us. And, you know, we Mark, have to interrupt their daily business of trying to destroy us. Mark, that was, that was spot on. And um, I think it's absolutely right. 
And I also liked your thing about not being fearful folks. We need to be angry. We need to stand up. We need to fight these bullies. Mark, we really appreciate your leadership in this time. It's uh, It's been inspirational to watch a lot of uh, the commissioners uh, navigate this and really appreciate um, your contribution, uh, quite frankly, to, to our democracy right now and really appreciate that you took the time today uh, to join us and talk more about it. Uh, thank you much, Mark. Let me say one other thing. You Doing bet. the right thing and fighting for the right thing is fun stuff, folks. We can have fun making Wisconsin work. Right? Mark, we really appreciate it. It's a wonderful transition to our guest in the last segment. We're going to talk about having fun fighting back uh, uh, with Kate Beaton, our organizing director. But Mark, thank you so much for joining us today. Take care, y'all. Thank y'all for what you do. And with that, we have to take a break. You're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin for Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. Really great to have Mark Thompson with us. And um, he did have a beautiful segue to our next guest, Kate Beaton. Uh, Kate is our organizing director here at Citizen Action. Kate's been with us over the last year, and we have not had her on the podcast and we figured it was a great time to have her on because we got a lot of stuff coming up. Kate Beaton, it's fabulous to have you on the show. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's good to be here. So for folks who don't know, Kate lives in the Eau Claire area. Kate has been on the show before because she is a leader in her community as a council member on uh, the Eau Claire uh, City Council. But uh, Kate, tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself and uh, how exciting it is to have you on uh, fighting back, as Mark said, and the fun of fighting back and protecting our democracy. Kate, tell tell folks a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, so I um, I come to Citizen Action with a background in organizing, um, in climate organizing in particular. Um, I am I've been excited to join the team as the movement organizing director, and so uh, now leading the team of organizers all across the state who are. Um, mobilizing people and um, and bringing power to every corner of our state uh, to fight back um, against some of the things that we're seeing in the state and and also work on some visionary new new ideas. Claire, you get the first question. Uh, question number one: Why are you so awesome? No. Um, can, can, um, so you, uh, in addition to working on. Um, uh, like supporting our organizing work. You also are um, sort of in another hat in the organization, owning a little bit of our like policy work and whatnot around uh, climate work, especially climate in um, exurban and rural areas. So can you talk a little bit about your background working with environmental and climate issues and maybe like how that's translating into what you're doing here at Citizen Action? Yeah, so I um, I spent many years uh, working in small rural local governments to um, bring the climate movement to the local level. Um, it started in Eau Claire when uh, we passed a, a goal to achieve 100% clean energy by 2050, um, and we cr created a, a robust 300-page plan to, to accomplish that goal. Um, and I took the experience that I had there as a city council member and um, took that to communities like um, Menominee, like Eau Claire County, to rural, rural counties um, across Western Wisconsin, and, and also some school boards. 
And so I, um, I, it gave me an opportunity to talk to folks in rural Wisconsin. And what I learned is that rural people um, are, are diverse politically, right? But we all agree that um, climate change is impacting rural communities right now in how, um, in how our floods, our, our fields are being flooded, in how our, um, our cropland is, is being um, impacted and, and um, the, the viability of, of raising crops for small family farmers. Um, and so, um, and, and similarly, um, folks all across uh, rural communities believe in the, um, the, the value of clean energy, particularly the financial value, um, and also the, the energy independence of clean energy. And so I have been um, really passionate about bringing the climate, climate movement to our rural communities and identifying ways that we can connect with rural people who may not share our political values, but really share these values around uh, clean energy. Robert. So Kate, welcome. I'm glad you're, you're finally on Battleground Wisconsin in your citizen action role. So we just talked about democracy. Democracy is, of course, the right to vote and removing all the barriers to voting so that we have democracy that is actually the will of the people, but government by of and for the people, as Lincoln said. But it's more than that. It's deeper that uh, voting is kind of the first part of democracy. And there are a lot of folks, friends in our movement, who seem to focus a lot more on the latest great silver bullet that leaders just need to use to get what we want. And I think it's more fundamental that it's about the only way to challenge organized power and uh, oppression and inequality is organized people. So, and you commit yourself to that, to spending, it's really hard work, right? It's about engaging people, talking to them, persuading them, and, and creating what we call a movement. A movement is a metaphor for people, why we call it a social movement, because it's people in action together, visible on the streets at some point, right? Like the 1963 March on Washington, just one example, or the uh, protests about police violence against black and brown people after George Floyd's mur police murder. Uh, in 2020. So can you say a little more about why you are committed to doing this kind of hard work and the hard work of training and leading other organizers to do the work, which is also, people don't realize that's hard work as well, but how that links to what you want to actually achieve in the world. Like, uh, obviously, when you talk about some issue like climate, that's a very big, weighty, important issue with a lot of consequences and a lot of opportunities. So just the connection between people standing together and getting involved and working together and the, the world we want to see. Yeah, um, I think that uh, that really starts uh, in an experience I had when I was 22. I was uh, working on a, a program to bring food equity to um, Eau Claire. And as a college student, I met with my city council member and with one meeting, it led to funding for this program to um, make food, healthy food more accessible to people using government food assistance. And that really, um, that really was a, a turning point for me in realizing that one person involved in our democracy can have an incredible impact. And that really started this, um, this trajectory for me um, in thinking about what, what we can do when we are more than one person and an organized group of people. Um, and, um, and so I think that uh, 
really, really seeing how easy it can be to engage in government, certainly in, in that in that um, favorable situation and how how much power we can bring with a large group of people in a, in a less favorable um, situation has been really um, important for me. I think also, you know, the things that we're trying to accomplish, like you mentioned, Robert, um, they're huge goals. And, and frankly, we're just never going to be able to accomplish them as individuals or even as a small organization like like Citizen Action, we're in order to accomplish what we're trying to do, we need um, an army. Um, and so that's why we're working so hard at Citizen Action to um, make connections with people all across our state and all of our organizing regions to bring people in and connect uh, on a values level and train people how to be the next leaders of this movement, because frankly, we're not going to be able to do it without them. Um, and I always say that, like, why would we want to? It's just more fun to do it together anyway. So, well, well it sounds like a president of our organization agrees with you. I really we're that's the way we'll, we'll use that to think all day today about this idea, right, that we really need to lean into the fun. I, I know at SEIU, the uh, healthcare union, they talk about bread and roses and, you know, you need to, there needs to be enjoyment and community building in, in this movement. Um, one of the things that we're committed to and you are committed to is helping continue to build this army through our organizing cooperatives. And um, we just really want to encourage folks to, to consider becoming a member, to get involved directly in this work. It's absolutely critical to be involved in what Mark was talking about, but also we spent a lot of time talking about our vision, right? Like what we see as sort of the gold standard. Um, and we have our platform. Um, we're about to, we'll just preview, we're going to have some major pieces of legislation that we're going to be behind that reflect that. And our co-ops are central, not only into developing that, but to helping lead that um, Tell our listeners more about like what they should do and why the, joining the co-ops are so important in this time. We we are launching a, a major um, citizen lobby effort to support bills that are going to be coming through the, the legislature that support our progressive um, platform and our progressive vision for the state. We're really excited to see these bill co bills come through as as um, a symbol of what could be in Wisconsin. And we um, are mobilizing our members from all across the state to show strong support for those bills. So. Um, starting on on February 24th, we have um, we have a, a, a citizen action lobby week that we're that we're launching, um, where uh, people from all across the state are going to be meeting with their their directly with their legislators and asking them to support this progressive vision that we have uh, by supporting these bills. Um, so I would encourage anybody to um, to uh, reach out and to inquire about this lobby effort. We have emails and texts going out. Our organizers are um, maybe contacting you, but certainly if you don't hear from them, we, we would love to hear from you if you're interested. We do also have um, a, a training, a, a, a lobby training that we're planning on February 23rd, um, where we'll be speaking a little bit more about, about these bills and also training folks on how to effectively lobby. Um, one of our huge goals for this year is to um, really be like investing in training new leaders of this movement and so this will be a great opportunity to um, to build some skills that folks can use uh, long term. Well, that sounds really exciting. We are super thrilled to have you on help helping lead this massive organizing effort. And folks, really, you you, you got to get involved in our co-ops. 
uh, please, we're going to have links on with this podcast, uh, how you can join our co-ops. You can always reach out to Kate too directly. She can guide you uh, it, via email if you'd like to one of our organizers where you are. Kate, real quick, your email uh, for folks who want to get in touch with you. Yeah, it's uh, kate.beaton at citizenactionwi.org. And, and so if you're interested, feel free, either click on one of the links and just go join right away and an organizer will follow up with you. But if you want to talk a little more, just reach out to Kate. She'll hook you up with uh, the right organizer and folks, please get involved. Kate, thanks so much for joining us uh, today and talking more about uh, our organizing co-ops and the vision we have. Yeah, thanks so much, Matt. Beautiful folks. We got to go. We got to go. We got to go. It was a great show. Again, want to thank Kate Beaton, our organizing director for joining us and Mark Thompson, who is one of the commissioners at the Wisconsin Election Commission and also president here at Citizen Action. We really appreciate his time talking about what they've been experiencing at the WEC and the broader threat to our democracy. Folks, thank you for joining. We'll see you next week here at the Battleground, Wisconsin.